done so much better. So take notes. See you guys later. <laughs> we're, we're good. It's neat how God connects uh, the message of the gospel, the message that we're looking at, looking at uh, during the day with the songs and the music and even, even the invitation song later. Just like, wow, God, only you could do that because, you know, we don't plan that stuff. We don't, we don't try to, like, organize that. <clears throat> we don't have time for that. We're going to be in Philippians. Uh, we're going to be a lot of places, but we're going to start in Philippians chapter 3. If you'd like to turn there with me today, beginning in verse 7. We'll get prayed up and we'll get to work, okay? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your love. Thank you that in the middle of trials and suffering and struggle and storms that you are still our Father. You're still the God who loves us, who embraces us, who, who wants to use us. God, today as we look at what it is to be in Christ, I pray that you would help us to identify with Christ, to gain Christ, and to shine for Christ. Empty us of us and fill us up with you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. We'll go 7 through 9. It says, where was it? Sorry, there it is. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider uh, everything, I'm sorry, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ, and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God is by faith. You know, Paul, uh, it's interesting studying the work of Paul and and the life of Paul. Paul knew what it was like to suffer uh, because of Christ and for Christ. Paul knew what it was like to, to have, have a need and be in want. Uh, but Paul also knew what it was like to have everything he needed. Paul knew what it was like to have all his ducks in a row, to feel like he had everything together and going for him. Uh, before Paul became a Christian, he was, he was like the squared away dude. He had everything he needed. And he had his own righteousness that he built his life around. He had this own, his, own, his own truth, his own uh, uh, strength that he relied on. But when he met Christ, everything changed. And, and there are things in our life that we value and, and that we might need to let go of and to value Christ more. And Paul, Paul knew that, and Paul, Paul said that, that there's things I, I value, I consider now a loss or a rubbish compared to the surpassing knowledge of knowing Christ and of gaining Christ and of being found in Christ. See, Paul knew what was important after Jesus got a hold of him. And for all of us, there's this before and after story. If you've, if you've trusted Christ, if you've received what he's done for you, there's this before story of maybe how I was squared away or how I thought I was. And then there's this time in my life where I understood, you know what, I, I have a need. I have a deep need for Jesus, and I'm not as squared away as I thought I was. And then there's, so then there's the, the after that. And what that after, aftermath looks like is nothing else is of supreme value, only knowing Jesus. Only my relationship with Jesus is of supreme value and importance. After that, after that moment. So today, we're going to look at that. We're going to look at what, what our life looks like being in Christ. And I think for us, it's some of the promises. And for us, it's some of the, the, the reassurances that when we're in Christ, there are some things that we can always count on. Uh, you know, at, at church here at, during the week, during the, during the week, we have tons of people come in or call and, and they have needs. They have needs for food or they have needs for gas, right? They have, they have needs for a hotel or 
they just have needs. And, and a lot of them are underlying because their underlying needs are spiritual needs because they don't call the gas station for gas, right? We don't have a gas pump out here. They don't call Ray's in the supermarket for food. They come to a church. They don't go to the hotel for a hotel room. They come to a church. Now, granted, most of them don't have money for that. They're, what they want is money. But they don't ask the hotel for the room. They ask the church. Because they know there's, there's something about Jesus. There's something about God that people have placed value in. And they're hungry and they're searching. So maybe it is food they're hungry for. But whatever that physical need is, there's a spiritual need that we see uh, all around us. And, and for you and I, who have, who have received Christ as Savior, that spiritual need has been met. And we are completely satisfied. Or we ought to be completely satisfied in Christ. So I, I think there's a lot, if we look around the world, there's a lot of, even in, in our midst, not, not only is there a population that has deep physical needs and spiritual needs, but there's, there's us too who have needs, right? We have needs to be content and to have peace and to, to have joy and to have connections or community. Um, we, we are, even in this body, suffer, we suffer loss, right? There's things we grieve about and that's okay. But in the middle of life, in the middle of those circumstances, what is it like to be in Christ? All right? Can we look at that today? You ready? Chuck's ready. Okay, you guys ready? Here we go. Number one, a life in Christ has redemption and God's righteousness. I know those are big words. I'll explain them, okay? First verse we're going to use, though, is out of Romans chapter 3. God says, they are justified freely by his grace through the redemption, that big word, that is in Christ Jesus. Let's explain this. Let's go back to the before, before Christ thing for us, before that experience with him. You see, we were in a place, whether we were, had it all together or we didn't have it all together and our life was falling apart, we were, were relying on ourselves. We were relying on ourselves or maybe someone else, another person, a family member, to do everything for us and to make sure that everything was, was great and squared away. And, and we were probably uh, attempting to reach God or earn God's favor in some way by being good enough. But what we realized was that we could never be good enough. We could never quite make the mark. We could never quite hit the goal, Right? So, so God said, you know, listen, I, I know you're trying real hard, but, but you have sinned and you have fallen short of my glory. You, you, haven't, you haven't made the standard. And, and you can't erase that on your own. We think that if we do enough good, it'll outweigh the bad, and that's okay. But God says, no, it's about erasing the bad. It's not outdoing the bad. Everyone has bad, and it has to go away. God says it has to be paid for. Something has to be done about the bad. And you and I, before Jesus... We're left to our own life to figure it out. How do I get rid of the bad? How do I do enough good to please God or to be found in a place earning his favor? And we can't. So God said, you know what, I've got a plan. And God knew that we could never erase our own sin. God said, Jesus can, though. I'll send Jesus down. And Jesus will be the free gift that everyone needs. Whether you're a sinner or a saint or anywhere in between, everyone needs Jesus. Everyone needs the hope that only he can offer. And why is it only that he, that he can only offer that? It's because that he was perfect. You and I are not perfect and Jesus was perfect. When Jesus came to earth, he knew that he would go to the cross to pay for my sin. Not to pay for his sin, to pay for my sin. And when Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. 
See, Jesus gave us this free gift that we could not earn. As hard as we would try, that we could not earn. It was a free gift that only he could accomplish for us. Millions and billions of people spend their lives trying to pursue God, trying to figure out God, trying to get God by outdoing their bad, by earning God's favor. God said and showed through Jesus that we cannot do that, that only Jesus can bring us into a right relationship with God because of what he did on the cross. And, and this verse applies to that. It is, we are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. So it's in Christ Jesus that we're redeemed, right? Because he sent this free gift and we're, we're made right with God. And let me explain these big words now. Redemption means this, that he paid the price. He bought back. He paid the tab. When Jesus redeemed us on the cross, he paid the price that I should have paid. Why? Well, because it's a free gift. It's, it's a, a love offering that he gave us. And he gave it to us freely, and it's free because we can't buy it. There's nothing we can do to get it. God gives it. We just say, thanks for paying the tab. I want, yeah, I, I agree. Pay the tab for me. Thank you. And then this justified word. It's this weird word that, what does this mean? And I've said it before, and it, justified means this. Justified means just as if I'd never sinned. See, God, when he sends Jesus and he sends him to, to die on our behalf on the cross, says God, God, God says his wrath was fulfilled on Jesus for us, that God's judgment was fulfilled, the price was paid. Now, when you and I look to the cross, we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and we receive what he's done for us, we stand before God just as if I'd never sinned. Not because of me, but because of the free gift that Jesus offered. So for you and I to be in Christ, we're, to be re we're redeemed. We, we, we get redemption. The price has been paid. That's a benefit to being in Christ. The second part of that benefit I said was, was righteousness. right? This righteousness. It's not about our own righteousness. Going on to Philippians and we just read this verse, Paul says, everything uh, that was gained to me, I've considered to be loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them filth so that I might gain Christ. So Paul says, I valued something a lot more. I valued my own legalism, my own, my own efforts way more. But now I don't. Now I value something different. I value being found in Christ and letting him do his work in me that I might gain Christ. And it goes on in verse 9. It says, and, and to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law. Paul wants to really make sure we get this. It is not about what you and I could accomplish. It's not about what you and I accomplished. It's not a, it's not a righteousness or a purity or a perfection that is from something you and I did, but one that is through faith in Christ. So we have a righteousness or a cleansing, a purity, because we have faith in Christ. The righteousness from God is based on faith. That you and I would trust God. And when we have been found in Christ, we would know, we would be assured that we have his righteousness, his purity put on us. The, the biblical image of this means that when I stand before God, it's like I'm clothed or robed, right, covered with Christ's goodness, 
with Christ's purity, with his forgiveness. And when the Father looks at me, he doesn't see my sins because they've been removed by Jesus. In fact, all he sees is what Jesus has done. All he sees is Jesus. Being found in Christ is all about Christ. Amen? It's not, being found in Christ doesn't highlight me. Being found in Christ lifts up Jesus. And that's the point of the gospel, is to lift up Jesus and that we would believe and be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, for some of us, I'm, I'm taking a lot of time on this point because I think it's really important. For some of us here in this room, uh, so, someone is still trying to earn your way. You're trying to do the right things. In fact, you're in church today because you want to check off the list and you want to earn favor with God. God's saying you can't do enough. You, going to church, putting money in the plate, singing these worship songs to Jesus is not going to make you clean. It's not going to erase the bad. What God would have you do is stop grabbing on and valuing the things that you think are valuable and consider them like Paul did. Consider them rubbish, dung, garbage, so that you might be found in Christ and in his righteousness. Let go of your own pursuit. Trust Jesus and have a new life. That's what he would say to you. For some of us that have become Christians, we, we have trusted Christ. We're in him. We, we still try to cling a little too tightly to things that, that we find are valuable in this life, right? We think, well, this is really valuable. This is something that's really important to me. I'm going to make sure it's a priority in, in my life, and it's a, it's a big aspect of my life. And if something comes up that might need to push it aside, I, I, don't, I push the other thing aside instead of it. I hold on to it tightly. And sometimes that's my relationship with God even. Maybe I, I sacrifice my time in the Word, or I sacrifice sharing, sharing a time or a moment or a, a, a divine appointment with somebody because this thing I'm valuing is more important to me. So you and I need to learn, as Paul did, <clears throat> even the things that are good in life and have value, that do really have value, we still need to consider them not as valuable as knowing Jesus and being found in him. When, when someone looks at my life, I don't want them to say, well, Brandon's this kind of person. He values this and he likes this and likes this, likes this. I want them to say, that's Brandon. He has been found in Christ. When we see Brandon, we see Jesus in Brandon. That's what Paul is saying. Paul says, let's lift up the name of Jesus, not let's lift up our name. Now, let's not lift up our priorities and the things we value. Let's lift up Jesus, who is the most valuable to a world who desperately needs him. Now, I think all of us in this room, and I, me included, have something, some area where we're still grabbing on, we're holding on to something that we need to consider a loss and rubbish for the sake of Christ and for the sake of knowing Christ and being found in him. We need to let go of that. We need to let, let Christ reign more deeply in our hearts and, and Christ to shine more gloriously with our life. That's what he wants from us. And that's a benefit we have to being in Christ, that he would shine. It's not about me, it's about him shining through. Okay, that's, that's number one, the righteousness and redemption we have in Christ. Number two, you ready? Uh, being in Christ, we are a new creation. You're new. Did you know that? You're made new. Look at 2 look at, uh, Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. What, what happened to the old? Well, the old has gone, the new has come. So there was this before moment and there was this after moment, right, with Jesus. Before I met Jesus, I was this way. And we have, for as many people in the world, that's how many stories there are about how it was before Jesus. But ultimately, it was that way that we looked at ourselves for satisfaction or fulfillment. We looked to ourselves to be our own, our own God, our, in control of our own destiny. 
making our own decisions, setting our own priorities. Before Jesus came, we, we were what the Bible considers the old man or the old flesh. But Jesus says and tells us in Galatians, he says, I, I, I've been crucified with Christ. My, the old person has been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I that lives. It's that Christ lives in me. See, before Jesus, it was, it was all about me. My wants, my desires, my ego, my agenda. But when I met Christ, he humbled me. I received him, and now it's all about what he is doing in me and through me. It's not about me anymore. I'm a new creation. Some of you need to believe that. Some of you don't believe you're new. You, you, you've, you have this past, you have these hang-ups, you have these scars and these fears and this baggage. And you met Jesus and you're like, oh, thank, thank God that Jesus could do something about, about my baggage, about my sin. And you let him forgive you, but you, you keep walking around like this baggage is going to hold you down. Like the, this fear is going to keep you back. Jesus knows about the baggage. Jesus knows about the scars. Jesus knows about the fears. Guess what? He redeemed them too. You know, I talked to a lot of people who, who in, in a quiet room, closed door, under whispering times, like, this is what I've done and this is where I've been. I mean, they, it's, it's hard to share. I mean, and a lot of them don't even talk about it. And then they say, this is what's happened to me. This is my life story or, or part of my life story. They say it so quietly. They don't, want it, they don't want any attention drawn to that at all because there's so much ridicule or shame or embarrassment around that scar or that baggage. But God redeemed that. And, and God's redemption of that baggage, his, his healing, his putting it back together, his building it back up, is not only your story anymore. It's his too. And what God is doing in and through that baggage and those scars and those fears needs to be used for his glory. What am I saying? Well, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not telling you that if you were abused and if you were, you had someone, a real deep scar and some deep, deep hurt, or maybe you had an abortion, or I'm not saying go to the roof and start shouting it to everybody in the world. It's, it's probably inappropriate. What I am saying is this, because we are new creations, the old person is gone and Christ has been risen in me and, I, and I, I live with him now. That maybe we ought to be open to the divine appointment and that opportunity at times where God wants to use that story in someone else's life for his glory. Amen? Has anyone ever used their brokenness and what God did through their brokenness as a story for your life, for your benefit? Well, sure they have, right? We've all learned from other people's baggage. Well, we have baggage too that other people can learn from. Not just learn how awesome I am or how great I am at getting over it, but learn how great God is at redeeming it. God wants to use all of us for his glory because our story and his story are intersecting for his glory. It's not about us anymore. It's about what he's going to do. Being found in Christ means that you and I are new. We're different. And that also means we don't have to be the same way that we were. There should be growth. There should be change. God, is, God says a spark in our heart that, that now we can be different. And now we can receive his word even differently. We can receive criticism and correction differently. We can receive joy, and, joy in fellowship differently than we ever could before. Being a part of the body of Christ and being united together 
whether it's here or whether it's in Bible study or community groups, whether it's just in fellowship, we're going to benefit out of that because we're new and God's making all things new. The old is gone. When the old man, here's my, here's my advice, when the old man starts creeping up, when that old, that old self starts coming in and saying, oh, no, no, come back down here, just tell it, you've been crucified with Jesus. You no longer live. It's Christ that lives in me. See, I'm, I'm found in Christ. Being in Christ means I'm, I'm new. He's made all things new. Isn't that a benefit? Isn't that a glorious benefit? He's made me new. There was a before and there's an after. And God has is, God is taken care of the everything in between. Third thing, third promise of being in Christ. It's contentment. That we can be content or we can have real peace, lasting peace. Philippians 4, 12 says this. Paul says, I know both how to have a little and I know how to have a lot. And in any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. See, Paul says, I have learned the secret to being content. And that is being in Christ Jesus. And this is what he goes on to say. He says in verse 413, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Right, a famous verse, it's always on the sidelines of sports, Philippians 4.13. Or it's on tattoos on people. I mean, it's, it's just like this is the verse they, they go to. But being in Christ gives us a strength. We'll talk about that in a minute. But being in Christ means that we can be content. That we can have peace. It doesn't mean that the shores or the, the waves aren't going to come, right? It doesn't mean the storms aren't going to rage. That The song was so appropriate, right? That, that, but that God is God through those things. And having a God that's a father, that's a stable, steady figure in the middle of the storm is the promise. Philippians 4 tells us in, in verses above this, it says, don't be anxious about anything. But what? Pray about everything. And when we do, because we're in Christ, it says, the peace of God, which transcends understanding, right, which will blow your mind, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus, right? Being in Christ Jesus, we have this, this Lord who's guarding our heart and giving us a peace beyond anything we could ever imagine through any circumstance that we come to in life. God is the one who's giving us the peace. God is the one who's giving us the contentment in the middle of that. Though the storms rage on, he is going to be God, and he will be an anchor for our soul. There's contentment. And, I, and I, I, my prayer is you, you find contentment. That no matter what your circumstance is, that you're content, that you're, you're at peace. Is it okay to grieve? Absolutely. Do we suffer loss? Absolutely we suffer loss. This last week, we had, a, we had a couple in our church who lost their son, right, their adult son. I, I, I'm a dad. I can't, I can't imagine losing one of my kids. I can't imagine that. I went over to be with them, and I, I just walked up on the porch and just hugged them, and they just, just wept. We just wept. I mean, yes, you grieve. Bad things happen. But there is an anchor for our soul, and that anchor is Jesus Christ. And when we are in him, we have the availability, the opportunity to be at peace, that he will guard our heart and our mind in Christ Jesus. Number four, uh, when we are in Christ, we have power in our weakness. And this is what Philippians 4.13 says. I'm able to do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I'm in Christ and I can do all things because he gives me strength. 
It's not that I automatically become He-Man or the Hulk, right? Zach, yeah, Zach has the Hulk shirt on over there, or the Hulk. Jesus makes me be able to Hulk, right? Jesus is the one who gives me the strength to endure, the strength to go on. Uh, another great verse, first, or 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verse 9. Paul, Paul, had this, Paul had this thorn in his flesh, he described it as, this, this weakness, this ailment, whatever it was that was kind of bothering him. And he pleaded with God, and God, please take this away, please take this away. And then it comes to verse 9, it says this. But then he said to me, so Paul says, Jesus said this to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I, boast, I will uh, most gladly boast all the more about my weakness so that Christ's power may reside in me. So God gave him the answer. said, no, I'm not going to take this away from you. No, there's suffering. There's something going on that's here. It's present. It's real. It's called life. But my grace is sufficient for you. My, my power is made perfect in your weakness. In the middle of those weak moments, in the middle of that loss, in the middle of that, those hardships we face, the storms of life we face, God says, my power can be made perfect in that. So Paul says, all right, then I will, I will boast all the more in my weakness so that Christ's power may reside in me. Paul longed to expose the weaknesses that he had so that Christ's power would be, would be seen in his life. We would be shown. And I said this earlier, God wants to use the brokenness in our life. God wants to use the hurt in our life. God wants to say, I'm going to redeem that, and my power is going to reside on you so that my glory can be seen in your life. Be, again, being in Christ is not about us. It's about Christ. It's about Christ being displayed to the world around us. It's about Christ being displayed to your children or to your friends or to your family. It's the person that you're going to walk out of here with, that Christ would be displayed from your life because he's in your life and you are in him. He gives us power in our weakness. Finally, number five, a life in Christ produces humility and fruit. Today we started talking about this, this place of humility that we, we come to in life, this place before Jesus where we, we thought we had all the answers, we were doing it all ourselves, that we were earning our way to God and, and God said, no, you can't do that. And we realized, at some point, we realized that we were too weak, too inadequate to really embrace Christ on our own and earn what he, he had to offer. So we turned our heart away from ourselves. We said, it's not about me and what I can accomplish or what I've done. We turned our heart away from ourselves and focused it on God. And at that moment, we focus on God. We hit our knees. We, we get down on our knees humbly before him because we know that moment when we turn away from ourselves and look at God that we are completely empty that we are completely inadequate, that there's nothing that I can offer God when I stand before him. I have nothing to offer him. But what he's doing is he's reaching out and he's saying, I have everything to offer you. I have all the hope to offer you. And that humility that led us to the cross will continue after the cross because of the cross. Because every day we look back at the cross and see what Jesus has done for us, we are continually humbled by the grace he's given us in spite of us. God continues to love. God continues to give grace. God continues to restore. God continues to redeem. God continues to heal. And for you and I who are found in Christ every day, every day should be about humbling ourselves 
before him and boasting only in the Lord. We'll continue on here. Look at what this scripture says. 1 Corinthians 1, 30 to 31. But, but from him you are in Christ, Jesus, who for us became wisdom from God, as well as righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, in order that, as it is written, the one who boasts must boast in the Lord. He did all of this so that our boasting would be in the Lord and not in us. And, and pride would keep us boasting in ourselves. But humility lets us go to our knees and say, it is so much about Jesus. It is, it is all about Jesus. And if I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast in the Lord. He's going to be my sufficiency. And then it produces a fruit in me. As I, as I humble myself, humility is a fruit. But as I humble myself before the Lord, I constantly humble myself. Being found in Christ produces a fruit. I, I shared this scripture last week from John 15, 5. I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. Here, here's the kicker. The last part of this verse. What does it say? Because you can do nothing without me. We can do nothing without God. Without being found in him and him being in us, nothing can be produced. Everything we are now, everything we have now, every fruit we exhibit has to point back to Jesus because he is the glorious God who gave it to us. So our lives being found in Christ, our lives that are to lift up Jesus in every way because he's the one who pursued me. He's the one who forgave me. And he's the one who has the power to give me strength and peace and contentment, right, and joy in the midst of this. And that humility will, will lift up Jesus instead of me. <clears throat> so you're probably in, in one of two camps today. One camp, you're in the camp that says, I, I'm still working on this. I'm trying to figure this out on my own. I'm trying to earn God's favor. And I'd say, stop trying to earn God's favor. Turn your heart away from you and turn to Jesus. And let, and, and that, let that humility put you in a place face-to-face -face with God where you can receive the free gift that he's offering to you. That you can, you can believe on the Lord Jesus and let him reign in your heart and let him forgive you. And that, that when you stand before God, it's just as if you never sinned. Stop struggling. Stop struggling. I want to share a, a, a thought on, on a verse. I've done this before, but as, I, as I've become a father and as I've, I share this with my daughter too, she'll, she'll need to obey me or she'll need to listen and she's not, right? So I'll lift her up and I'll hold her and she'll kind of do the little flail thing. Like she arches her back and wants to just, and of course if, I, if she won, she'd fall and hurt herself. But I, I hold her tight. Bailey, stop struggling. Stop struggling. There's a scripture that we always memorize is be still and know that I am God. Well, that verse really, it, the way it translates is stop struggling and know that I am God. And I see that so, so much clearer now as I'm a dad, as I have a daughter who struggles in my arms, who struggles and struggles and struggles and tries not to listen and tries to do it on her own. And I say, Bailey, just stop struggling. You need to listen to me or let me help you or whatever it is. Let me, let me guide you. Let me be your daddy. For those of you who are still resisting and struggling, God just wants to wrap you in his arms and say, stop struggling. Let me be your father. Let me be your all in all. 
Now, for those of us who have already done that, who have already said, God, you are my all in all. You are my sufficiency. You are my grace and my strength, and I have found forgiveness in Christ. It's likely that you and I need to let go of some things that we may be valuing more deeply than Jesus. We need to set aside some things that are getting in the way of us making much of the name of Jesus. And I think it's a struggle that every Christian will face. How much time, how much treasure, how much energy do I put into things that are maybe less valuable than they should be? Can I still value things that, that aren't just Jesus? Well, sure. He wants us to value things, but he wants us to value him more. And when we're found in Christ, we have such a great benefit. He is our all in all. He is our sufficiency. He's the one we have our hope in. He's the one from whom we get our joy. It's Jesus. The answer really is Jesus. Let's stand and pray. God, I thank you so much that, that you really are the answer. You are the only hope for all of us. And we thank you that you have pursued us, that you have offered yourself to us, and you have, you have rescued us from the, the pit that we were in. God, now we ask that you continue to, to make us new every day. Remind us of, of the new person that we are. Remind us of the redemption that you're offering to, in every situation, every circumstance, every piece of baggage, every piece of fear. God, redeem it. We want to surrender it for your glory. And help us get joy from being made new. God, being found in Christ is a joy and a pleasure. And the promises we get from being found in Christ are our hope. Help us to reside there every day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.